0: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Swinging a drive, right field and deep. That goes Aquino. It's got a chance gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's
1: time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley-Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W 670 podcast. This is season two, episode 71, the Cubs Diamondback Disaster. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the podcast Follow us on the socials, fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, fly the W on Facebook, or email us, fly the W670 at gmail.com. Now, Crowley, usually I'd be polite and ask you how you are. I'll just cut to the chase. I know you're not doing well, and most of Chicago is not doing well because this was about as bad of a Chicago sports weekend as I can remember. It was pretty
2: awful. I mean, I, I remember when we were in the on the last podcast, everything looked right, but I just felt like I hate when the Cubs play in Arizona. I just hate, hate, hate it. I don't know what it is about that stadium. It just, to me, is like a personal house of horrors, and and that's exactly what unfolded.
1: That's exactly what unfolded. And uh, Friday night, Justin Steele, that was kind of the stopper. The Cubs hadn't been playing fantastic, but uh, Justin Steele looking to cement his place in Cubs lore and possibly a Cy Young, and it just did not go his way game one Friday night.
2: Now, we, we talked about the pitching matchups in this series. The Cubs were going to miss Arizona's two best starters. They were going to throw out their – the Cubs are going to throw out their three best starters. And then we get the big news before the game. Marcus Stroman comes off Available, IL. right.
1: Available, Marcus Stroman.
2: Unbelievable. So it's Justin Steele versus Brandon Fott. Uh, potential Cy Young Award winner versus a guy with a 1-8 and eight record and an ERA ne- near six, right? Easy, easy game. You and I both had this – Yep, firmly in the Cubs' column.
1: Fly the the W at six o'clock on Friday. I was already ready to, you know, let it be said, let it be done.
2: (laughs) It just didn't turn out that way, man. In the bottom of the first, uh, Kettle Marte led off with a single. He advanced on a bunt by Corbin Carroll and then made it to third on a Tommy Fam ground out. But then, you know, you got two outs runner at third. He throws Steele throws a four pitch walk and then Lourdes Gurriel, who had himself one hell of a series, hits a home run. And and that was just, just like that. Three. Right.
1: <laughs> just Pat like Hughes that. Say, just you like know, that. The Cubs are down three to nothing in the first.
2: Right. And so you, this is your guy. This is your guy. And, and the offense was struggling. You could say, okay, well, at least you got Justin Steele going and he'll keep you in it. But now you're down three-nothing. He settles down, right? And, yeah. and okay, well, if Steele could hold him, the offense could chip away and come back. But the offense did nothing against FOD. He pitched 5.1 innings. He gave up four hits, one walk with six strikeouts. The Cubs didn't have an extra base hit, nor did they have a runner even reach scoring position in the 5.1 innings that he was on the mound. To make matters worse, in the top of the six, Steele walked Christian Walker to lead off the inning, struck out the next two batters he faced, and then with two outs, Gabriel Moreno single, and then Alec Thomas homered. The second two-out, three-run homer of the game against Steele, he went six innings. He gave up seven hits, six runs, two walks, and five Ks. I'm hoping, Dustin, this doesn't end his Cy Young hopes, but uh, obviously it's not going
1: to help uh, it. I think he might have left it out there. Obviously, we'll see what happens as we preview the upcoming series against the Pirates, um, but that took a big uh, a big chunk out of him. If you still like his chances, you may want to invest a little bit of your uh, fly-the-W money uh, on him to win the Cy Young because I bet his odds went back against him. The other thing was Hottavy went out there, right? he goes and pays a visit. And the very next pitch, not like during the very next batter, the very next pitch, boom, goes a dynamite. So you just wonder what was said. Steele admitted that he just left he left it hanging, right? And he said, you know, good hitters do do what they're supposed to do when a pitcher makes a mistake like I made.
2: Right. I mean, you know, and and Tommy's mound visits kind of jokingly on, on Twitter. You know, they're legendary. Usually good things happen and not that right.
1: case. Yeah, they're growing uh, in legend, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Marcus Stroman came in out of the bullpen and made his first relief appearance since his rookie season in 2014. He pitched two innings, gave up one hit, one walk, and three Ks. Look good. Look Look good. good. I wondered if he got another tattoo since he had been on the I.L. Maybe, but the Cubs did not have a hit against the next three bullpen arms that followed fought. It wasn't until the ninth inning when Kevin Nelson came in that the Cubs finally got on the board. Ian Happ led the inning off with a homer. Cody Bellinger singled. Swanson struck out and then Saya homered to make it six three Arizona then had to go to their closer Paul Seawald. and 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 you know that's a game you're up six nothing you're not anticipating to have your closer in Chris Morrell greets him with a homer now the Cubs are down six four but Jan Gomes would line out and magical would pop out the game was over if you saw just the score you would think eh, close game right but it, no. re- it really wasn't no, it, it was really like
1: it was really like they lost six to nothing it really right. felt like a six to nothing loss. How, how about the teammate though? So Ian Happ, let's go back to the Ian Happ home run for a second. Hits the home run. He quickly runs over to Saya in the uh, dugout, and the interpreter's running right there with him, and he explained what was going on with the pitcher, what he saw coming out of the pitcher's hand, and then boom, it worked. So I thought that was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I don't, you know, if you, I don't it, know if you caught
1: that or not, but that was really it, cool.
2: It, it definitely was something interesting, and and, and obviously he was, you know. Whatever he said, work. And so, you know, just wish that they would have caught something earlier on some of the other guys. They only the offense only scored four runs on seven hits, but all their runs and half their hits came in the ninth. So like I said, it was just kind of garbage time. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it didn't feel like a six-four nail biter. Oh, shoulda, coulda, woulda. It felt like a, an absolute ass kicking from start to finish. All right, so we get to game number two. It's Saturday night. We're still out in the desert, and we got Kyle Hendricks against uh, old Cubby Zach Davies.
2: Right, you know, and and sometimes Dustin, when you see a team that does put on some runs in the ninth, you think, okay, you know, right, Uh, right, little carryover, we've got this. I thought the same
1: thing. That makes sense. Yep, I thought that
2: too. Yep. Not only that, David Ross shook up the lineup and had Ian Happ leading off. Which where has that been all season? I mean, I think that was, you know, to me the right move. Just especially, you know, when you think about how much he walks and how much he has not slugged, why wouldn't you kind of put him there? And uh, I wasn't that happy, though, about Christopher Morrell batting third. Um, the other thing I wasn't happy about, you know, we, we talked about this in the last episode, how Pete Crow Armstrong, you know, he was the number one web gem um, for Sunday Night Baseball, that catch in Colorado, another very big outfield in there. And I thought, you know, he would get maybe at least one start, but no, nope, not going to happen. And with no score in the fourth inning and one out, Tommy Pham hit one to right center. It bounced off the wall, but Talkman, who is playing center, he misses the cutoff, man, and Pham's able to reach third base. You, you can't do that on that right there. No. Um, Christian Walker then hit a ground rule double to left center. I think PCA makes the play, but now the Cubs are down one nothing. Hendricks got Alex Thomas to pop out to second, but then Lourdes Gurriel hit one to center that scores Walker Cubs are down 2 nothing. So w- when you think about that inning, I thought that there was two plays that, that, that Gurriel hit and the other one that I thought that PCA would have gotten, and you also had the missed cutoff, man. But, you know, you're down 2 nothing to Zach Davies. Uh, the Cubs did fight back in the fifth. Jan goes doubled, magical singled, and half walk. So the Cubs loaded the bases, no outs, and Zach Davies' night was over. And in came Luis Frias. He walked Nico with the bases loaded, The Cubs are down 2-1, no outs, but we saw this a couple times this weekend. Chris Murrell hits into a double play with the bases loaded, no outs. A run would score to tie the game, but now the Cubs had two outs. Luckily, Cody Bellinger was up next. He singles, and the Cubs pull ahead 3-2. You knew, Dustin, we talked about that that lead's not going to hold. In the bottom of the sixth, Arizona got three straight singles uh, off of Hendricks. His night was over. He went 5.1 innings, gave up three runs on seven hits, three Ks, one walk. It was a typical Hendricks start. Now you have both teams in their pen, and neither team would score until the game got into extras, and that's when things got really crazy. Uh, In the top of the 10th and Nico on second, Morel would reach on an infield single. With Cody Bellinger up, Nico and Morel execute a double steal. The throw gets past the third baseman, and the Cubs take a 4-3 lead. Now, Cody was then he hit by a pitch, but the ball hits the knob of the bat. Cody drops it, and his hand's hurt, and the ball goes straight to the pitcher, and he's called out. The Cubs challenge the out. They say Bellinger was hit by pitch. They reviewed it, and they said, nope, no good. And, and, and you could see how mad Bellinger was because he's pointing at his hand, and right. Ross had to come out to make sure he's not tossed. But I mean, what are the odds, Dustin? And this is the the, the snake bit in in the desert type uh, a thing. A lot there. of bad,
1: a lot of bad breaks in this series. A lot of things did not go your way. That doesn't excuse the lack of hitting, but there were a lot of bounces that did not go the Cubs' way.
2: Like, how often have you seen a ball literally hit off the knob of the bat and go straight to the pitcher? I mean, right. you know, so Dan's Dan's be you know then hits one to the pitcher. Morell's caught off uh, off the base because it's on a contact play. And so luckily Morel was smart enough to get into a rundown to allow Swanson to get to second. The D backs walked Suzuki to face PCA, who walked to load the bases, but Jan Gomes ground out, and the Cubs were only able to get one run when they had runners at second and third and no outs. That would come on to haunt them. Marcus
1: Whoa.
2: Marcus Stroman, they decided to roll him out for a second game in a row after. I pitching. didn't understand.
1: I didn't understand that either. I I, I know you're gonna maybe need him. As right. we keep going through this, but like he's your now, so he's your new closer. That's what that said to me. That said, we need to win this game. We're leading by a run. They're up, right? They're leading. They're leading. Save opportunity, and they bring in Marcus Stroman when he just got back on back-to-back nights.
2: Yeah, that that was one of many you I know, like, head-scratching decisions.
1: Huh? huh? I mean, that one I, you got to explain that one to me.
2: I I can't, and I can't even even worse when we get to Sunday when we talk about that. But Perdomo's going to start the inning at second. The first batter he faced, Corbin Carroll, he's going to single, and the game's tied at four. Strowman gets the next three batters out, and the game moves to the 11th. Jan Gome starts the inning at second with one out. Ian Happ would single and put runners at the corners. Nico would single, and the Cubs retook the lead five to four. Unfortunately, Morrell grounded out and Bellinger grounded out, and the Cubs once again could not get any insurance runs. David Ross decided to pull Strowman from the game and went with Drew Smiley to try and close this out. And, and that, that's the thing, Dustin, that I didn't get is like, okay, like if he, you got Stroman in and all of a sudden, you know, he gives up that leadoff single, but you know, then all of a sudden he's cruising. I would have, yeah, I, I don't know. Throwing. if it's the,
1: Yeah. I mean, he knows how to get up and down, obviously as a starting pitcher, right. He knows how right. to come in at the end of an inning, take a breather, get back up and go back out there. I, I, I mean, it, it, if you went to him, you should have stayed with him. I think. Agreed. I, I, I don't think he should have been out there in the first place. I think maybe Drew Smiley should have been the first option. But then since you went to him, I don't understand why you went away from him. Exactly. But I'm sure there's a lefty-righty thing and a book and a metric and blah, blah, blah.
2: No idea. But pinch running Jake McCarthy started on second. Alec Thomas hit a sack bunt to move the runner to third. And then the game was tied on a Lourdes-Gurriel single. Smiley got Emmanuel Rivera to ground into a double play. So the game moves on. That Uriel the- name
1: is uh, being said quite a bit so far. In this oh, it podcast, never you know.
2: stops in this series. Into the 12th, Bellinger started at second. Uh, Dansby Stronson struck out sing- swinging. Saya was intentionally walked, and with runners at first and second and PCA up, Ross decided to pinch hit for PCA with Miguel Amaya. He grounds into a force out, and Jan Gomes flied out the innings over. Ross decides to leave Smiley in the 12th. <laughs> he walks the first batter he faces. But Gerardo uh, Perdoma bunted and Jan Gomes caught it in foul territory for the first out. Uh, Corbin Carroll singled to load the bases, but Marte struck out and Pham grounded out. So the game moves into the 13th. Like I said, just don't bunt. Uh, with Gomes starting on second, Wisdom singled to put runners at the corners, but Ian Hap ground into a double play. Gomes scored. Cubs lead 6-5. to five, But again, Dustin, an opportunity to add on more runs and they couldn't do it. You get to the bottom of the 13th. Tommy Pham on second. Smiley still on the mound. Jake McCarthy out on a sack bunt, but Pham gets to third. Hayden Wisniewski comes in to pitch for the Cubs. He walks the first batter he faced. Evan Longoria, who has to be collecting Social Security at this point. You would think? Then Jordan Lawler pops out for the second out. And in a play, Dustin, that will join many other in Cubs infamy. I'm thinking about the Don Young drop fly balls in New York in 1969 the Leon Durham Gatorade glove in 84, the Alex Gonzalez error in the eighth in 2003. Oh. This is going to be one that's going to stay in a lot of Cub fans' heads. Emmanuel Rivera with two outs hits a ball that hit off the body of Hayden Wesniski, and it caromed towards Dansby Swanson. And I don't know if he didn't see it. I didn't know if there was English on it, but it lands right in front of him. If he catches it, then, then the game's over, Cubs win. Instead, everyone's safe and the Cubs tied. What do you think happened there?
1: I have no idea. I, I would love to know that was it was late, right? It's late at home. That was like the longest game of the year, and I don't know if he was asked about it afterwards. I saw nothing about it. No idea.
2: I mean, it just was. It just was a bizarre. Like like it was right there. It looked like like I said, unless he lost it in the lights. Uh, maybe he didn't just the way that it you know caromed off uh, Wozniski's body. I don't know, but. The next batter, Gabriel Moreno, singles to right. a throws at home, but the throw was slightly towards the first base side. And Longoria, we talked about good slides. He barely got in there, and he made a good slide, and and, and he just beat the tag, and the Diamondbacks would win the game. Now, the Cubs had leads in the 5th, 10th, 11th, and 13th innings and could not win the game. And, yeah, it's easy to blame the pen but with the runner on second rule, you need to score more than one run to win the game. It's, it's, yep. it's not that difficult to get one run. And just the offense failed them again. The team was 6-for-19 with runners in scoring position. But three of those runs came in extra inning when they were given a free runner at second. Yeah. They left a whopping 16 men on base, and the heart of the order killed the Cubs. Morale went 2-for-7, Bellinger went 1-for-5, and Swanson went 0-for-6. Oh
1: uh, can I ask another question? Where's Julian Merryweather?
2: I'm I'm I don't know. Is I, he, like know. so?
1: Is he the next guy that's suffering from, you know, right forearm tightness and is going to be headed to the I eye? Mean, where where's where's Merryweather?
2: I mean he did, so he didn't pitch Friday and that's the thing that blew that blew my mind is that like you had the day off Thursday, nobody you know they only used two pitchers on Friday in Steele and Strowman. And so you should have – everyone should have been on deck on that one. Why, well, why was – and
1: Merriweather should have been the first guy up on Saturday night, in my opinion, unless well, something's going on.
2: Well, what about Brad Boxberger as well? Sure. You know, I mean – I'm just saying, that...
1: talking about a closer, right? Like, right. Merriweather could be – he's got closer type stuff. He's been in I, high I, leverage situations. I just – really? I, like, I have, you'd I have rather no to, clue. You'd rather, I, somebody's got to explain that to me. You'd rather go to Marcus Stroman than go to Julian Merriweather.
2: Who doesn't even tra- end up
1: in the game on Saturday. And then Drew Smiley. Right.
2: You know, you had okay. another opportunity to win it when, when, you know, they came back and you decided Smiley was the guy that you were sticking with. So I have no clue.
1: Yeah, very, very disappointing. So that moves us into uh, Sunday. And I hate Sunday night baseball. I don't know what I dislike more. Sunday night baseball or Sunday night football. But in this case, I dislike Sunday night baseball more because of what would happen with Jordan Wicks on Sunday night.
2: Yeah, Sunday night baseball, not only that, you're playing in Arizona, which I hate, so I, I doubly hated all of this. The situation. broadcast
1: is so bad. Oh. The announcers are just <laughs> awful.
2: Yeah, if you you should be listening to Pat and Ron in general, but especially on a Sunday night baseball call. Those Ugh. just awful. Just awful. But uh terrific. You know, I thought the first inning was a good representation of the entire series. Ian Happ started the game off with a leadoff double, but the Cubs left him stranded at third. And then in the in the Arizona bottom of the first, Wicks walks the first batter he faces. Carroll singles. Fam reaches on a fielder's choice. Christian Walker hit a ball that just got over Nico's glove, but Talkman picked it up and threw out uh, Carroll at third. But Marte scores. The Cubs were down one nothing. Lord is Guriel doubled the score. Fam, they're down two nothing, and Emmanuel Rivera hit a sack fly, and the Cubs were down three nothing. So that was just like I said, just a good representation of the entire series. Cubs have runners on, they can't do anything. Arizona gets runners on, and then they they push them all in. I mean, that's just what it was. And uh, you know, Dansby started uh, doubled to start the second and scored on a Mike Talkman single to make it three to one. The third inning to me was the dagger. Ian Hap singled, Horner walked, and then morell walked to load the bases with no outs, and Cody Bellinger up, he grounds into a double play. A run scores to make it 3-2, but then Swanson flies out to end the threat. But I mean, you know, you just couldn't get the big inning. You know, you I mean bases loaded, no outs, and you get only a run. I mean, come on, you know.
1: No time. Then, Z- absolutely zero timely hitting.
2: Nope. And then Wicks didn't pitch bad, but he was only able to go 4.1 innings, gave up three runs on four hits, five case, four walks. But it was his worst start um, since we've seen him in in, in the four starts he's had. Jose Cuas came into relief. Wicks, he gets the out in the fifth, but in the sixth inning, he gave out a one-out single and then Kettle Marte Homer to make it five to two. And the way the Cubs were playing. You knew at that point it was 10 to two. yeah,
1: Yeah, exactly. Great point. It felt like it was 10 to two.
2: Right, Arizona used a ton of pitchers on Saturday nights, and when they pulled Ryan Nelson in the fourth, you're like, okay, you know, there's and their bullpen
1: is no great shakes in general. Like that's the Achilles of this team, supposedly the bullpen.
2: Right, and so you're thinking, yes, we knocked out Ryan Nelson. Let, let's go ahead and get there, but you know, just couldn't do anything. Frias, Castro, Thomas, and Jarvis pitched five point two innings. Dustin, they only gave up five hits and no walks. Mm-hmm. The Cubs offense scored two runs on seven hits, one for eight with runners in scoring position. And they left six on base. They would lose this one six to two. They would get swept by the Diamondbacks, losing six of seven all in a week span. And David Ross was asked after the game, hey, you know, what happened?
0: We weren't very good. Yeah, they were better than we were. Uh, all aspects of the game. They played better defense. They pitched better. Uh, they had time they were hitting. They ran the bases better. They just got beat all the way around. Bad road trip. Uh, try to watch it with the off day tomorrow and get back at it on. Uh,
2: so that was it. They, they hit better than you. They pitched better than you. They ran the bases better than you. They did everything every, you know, I'm just trying to figure out here, Dustin, you know, they, they talked about it on the broadcast about how they had Dustin Pedroia come into the locker room to talk to those guys. You know, what, what is, what is Ross? I don't know what they're doing. All I can tell you is after the Cubs swept the giants in the beginning of September, they were up, Four games in the second wild card spot before Arizona came to Wrigley. Then they lost three out of four to the Snakes. They went on this road trip, going one and three against Colorado, or one and two against Colorado, zero and three in Arizona, without having to face their two best pitchers. And now they find themselves out of a wild card spot, all in a span of ten games, Dustin. Yep. I mean, I mean this just is, like the, that.
1: The, these were playoff. This is playoff baseball. And last time they got into the playoffs under David Ross, they looked exactly like they looked over this little span.
2: Yeah, the Cubs have had plenty of September swoons in the past. Uh, 69, 2001, 2004, 2018, 2019, just to name a few. Uh, and if this team doesn't turn That's it around more than quickly, <laughs> if they don't turn it around quickly, this team will join that
1: list. But would you agree with this, Crowley? Would you agree with this? Do you want to play glass half full and say, at the end of May, if I had made you a bet that the Cubs were going to be playing baseball games that mattered, with two weeks left to go in the regular season, and I mean mattered like because they could make the postseason, not like they mattered because we love the Cubs. What would you have said?
2: I'd be absolutely thrilled with it. and And, again, no matter what happens, however this season plays out with it, I've had, you know, if you remember last season, Dustin, when we were doing this show, it was – well every prediction was let's try not to get swept yeah. it wasn't a- yeah please don't get
1: swept like, Hashtag don't get swept yeah
2: <laughs> it w- it was it was not that much fun to kind of sit around through all of that this has been a blast but let me just put it this way is that you know expectations change and 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 you know I, when they played and we saw what they were capable of your expectations shifted i think and so you know to 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 you know get this close and fall apart so close to the end and it's not over But I'm just concerned, Dustin, because they had an off day after facing Colorado. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, maybe, you know, okay, get a little rest. That was a long stretch. Uh, But they still look tired and listless to me. I don't know what you you saw
1: there, but I I, just they look like they're out of gas. Bellinger looks like he's totally spent. Dansby Swanson looks like he could use a day off and you know how stubborn he is. He's not going to take one. So we'll have to wait and see. I mean, hopefully this day, this day of rest works out great. and They get after tomorrow night. I mean. You know, we're going to preview that series in a second, but they need to sweep the Pirates.
2: Yeah, you're you're at the point right now where where the schedule doesn't favor you anymore. You don't that you don't control your own fate. You need help, but but there there's no more time for you know the David Ross flush this one, flush that one. There's there's no more games you can afford to flush, and so they bet they better they better come prepared for Wrigley. They better come ready to play. Otherwise, um, you know it, it's it's just going to be a real tough, bitter pill to swallow.
0: Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro recharge kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.
2: Join me now on the Fly the W podcast. You have our play-by-play announcer for the your Tennessee Smokies, Mick Gillespie. Mick, how you doing, buddy?
0: What do you say, Crawley? Great to be here with you, and uh, love the studio.
2: Hey, man, it's uh, the the Cubs cave. The, the, the it's, it's getting there. The old Cubs clubhouse. We're we're working on it, but. Uh, you know, the reason I wanted to have you on is that for the second season in a row, the Tennessee Smokies are in the postseason. And, you know, obviously everyone's got to be excited down there. Could you tell me what some of the differences are between that 2022 and 2023 Smokies team?
0: Uh, well, we're really excited, obviously. The team hasn't won a championship since they've been a Cubs affiliate since 2007. And as a matter of fact, it's you got to go all the way back to 1978 since the Smokies were the champions uh, alone of the Southern League. So fingers are crossed. All you got to do is win four games, right? It, it sounds so easy, but uh, it, it's tough to do. Last year, the Smokies lost in uh, the championship game. They lost um, they, they got to the final and then won the first game, lost the second game, and then got blown out in the third game. But uh, it's a different type of team. You know, it's, it's almost pretty much an entirely new roster. We had uh, Hollywood Pete, Pete Crow Armstrong, for most of the season. And uh, he was just such a, 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 an electric player, a ball of energy. Really, really love what he does every day. And, and I think eventually he's going to get comfortable. He's going to get something going with the Cubs in the big leagues, and, and all of you guys are going to see that hopefully sooner than later. But when he was with the Smokies, I mean, just great outfield defense and a tone setter at the top of the lineup who uh it's almost like I told Doug DeSenzo he's got like x-ray vision you know like he could just pitch in the dirt and he's gone you know yeah um and so he was great a lot of power he had a 16 pitch at bat and and hit a home run and i made like a short video of it on the cubs baseball channel my my podcast because i was like man i've never seen this before i even told him i'm like i don't know that i'll ever see that again 16 pitches and the 16th he hit a grand slam right so we had him, Owen Casey, who is the Cubs' number 3 prospect uh, in a really talented system, right? He's the right fielder. He's in the top 5 or 10 in every offensive category, power, uh, strong arm. He's a 5-tool, he's a eh, maybe not as much speed, but he's not slow. So maybe 4 of the 5 tools, but a potential star player down the road. Uh, when he's ready, he's gonna make him a little more contact. I think the strikeouts, I, I would want the to the you know the strikeouts to kind of diminish, but uh, but that, I, I'm not that that's not how they play the game anymore. you know, like you're allowed to right. strike out. I just think it, when he makes contact, good things happen, right? So more contact means more hits, means more home runs. But he still has had a tremendous year. Plays great defense, too. Smart guy. Only He was only 20 years old in, in the Southern League, which is really young. And, and he was one of the best players and then turned 21, and he still is. But he takes his defense very serious. He he said, you know, watching Pete Crow Armstrong kind of helped him develop that uh, just because, you know, you see, you see Pete every day and, and you care. But then it's like, man, this guy's taking it to an entirely different level. Um, So, you know, those two were kind of the cornerstones of the team. B.J. Murray has been uh, inconsistent, but he's been good. You know, like great eye, uh, probably needs to develop a little bit more pop, you know, as a third baseman, a corner infielder uh, moving forward. But um, good player. Uh, Another young guy that is a switch batter he hit home runs from both sides of the plate in the same game, which is the second straight year that that happened. Jonathan Perlaza did it last year. So I love switch hitters. So that's cool. Like, the, like that, the Cubs have guys who are uh, diverse like that, you know, they can hit from both sides of the plate with power, um, you know, kind of like uh, Chili Davis or Eddie Murray or, you know, um, uh, Mark DeShera type guys. But as far as this team goes, um, the pitching was, was, it's been up and down with the pitching. They had uh, DJ Hers, and then he was traded in the uh, in the Jamer uh, Candelario trade, and then you know, and then now he was kind of inconsistent, and now all of a sudden he's like, uh, you know, looks like a Cy Young Award winner in their <laughs> organization, which is crazy. But the funny thing is, we had him and Wicks, and those two are so similar, you know, you could tell like kind of what the Cubs look for in pitchers. Right, and right. I think hers is going to get to the big leagues and he's going to probably be good like Wicks has been. So um, so we, we had both of those guys, very similar, kind of hide the ball, change up first pitchers, which I think really works in the big leagues. We had we had him and um, at the beginning of the season had Ben Brown. And the way that it works in, in AA is you play the first half and then you, you start over and play the second half. Well, the Smokies had the lead in the first half and a couple – weeks before the end of the half uh, they made a change with the manager who um, uh, Michael Ryan, who we all really loved um, was, you know, kind of like, a, I don't want to say he, he was definitely a, a real serious kind of, you know, baseball X, you know, X and O's type manager um, really well-respected. Um, and then he left and then we got Kevin Graver, who's a really nice guy. And has, you know, spent a lot of time in amateur ball. And uh, actually, uh, Jared Banner, from what I understand, played for him, The you know, who's with the Cubs front office and runs the minor leagues. And so it was kind of one of those emergency situations. Um, but Graber just has this really awesome, positive energy. I think that's like his superpower. You can't be around him and uh, have a bad day. You know, like he's kind of like Joe Madden. you know, in that and that in that aspect. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, like this is, he was the, the, I think he was like the field, maybe the field coordinator. And now he's the manager, um, how that's going to play out when you're in the postseason and and in your, you know, you're pulling levers and, and all of that stuff, but it's only four games and who knows? I mean, he, he was like a really good prep, um, uh, man, uh, high school head coach or whatever, like legendary. So, you know, with baseball, it's baseball is baseball. So we'll find out. So with that, um, Trying to line up the pitching right now. The Cubs' number two prospect, Cade Horton, will start Game One on Tuesday against Chattanooga. Uh, he's an excellent prospect. I mean, he's exciting. He's a front end starter, really nasty slider, fastball that he can locate. Uh, they don't really let him pitch much, you know. Like you'll see him for four innings, maybe five, never six. And so the thing that I, you know, I'd like to know is what would he look like seeing a team the third time through the lineup? You know, I think that would right. help him, but, but we're not going to see that. It's going to be four or five innings, but in the in the four or five innings that we've seen, his stuff's really good. And, um, and then there's a guy named Walker Powell who's going to pitch game two, and this guy was like undrafted. The Cubs did, who with the scout that found him. Like called him on the phone and was like, "You know, here's two thousand dollars on a plane ticket." <laughs> and all, right, and all the guy's done is just he's just taking advantage of that. Like he's gotten better and better. He's there's a lot like Javier Assad, where you you're like you, you because there's no money invested in him, and you know he's not you know blowing you away with the analytics. Maybe it's, you're, you're kind of slow to appreciate the fact that. You know, getting pitch-to-contact outs and getting strikeouts when you need them and, you know, setting up hitters and and throwing strikes really it still works. Um, And so he's probably going to go game two. Cole Franklin, who's been up and down but has good stuff, would be probably game three against Chattanooga. And then I don't know what we would look like if we get to the championship series, you know, which would start on Sunday. But uh, pitching-wise, you know, it's been – I, the, it, it's been up and down. Uh, Blake Whitney is a guy that's been with the Smokies for a couple of years. He's been really good in the bullpen. Um, right, there's a reliever named Riley Martin. Love watching him. He's got like the long flow and and you know and some facial hair and he's a left hander. Comes in and you know throws some pitches. Hunter Biggie, who's another reliever for the Smokies. Guy, the guy went to uh, I believe it was Harvard, a Ivy League guy. Wow,
2: look at that. Yeah, <laughs> he's really
0: <laughs> smart, physics, and then you know he he throws. Uh, like 97. And when he's on, he's unhittable. So it, it, it all comes down to really these guys taking advantage of opportunities. Matt Shaw just came up and uh, Shaw was the Cubs first round pick for Maryland shortstop, very good uh defender, great bat speed. I think the Cubs scouting did an excellent job picking this guy. That's where their, their bread and butter has been like, you know, was, the complaints have been, you know about developing pitching, um, and and you know you could say well it's it's drafting or or it's development or whatever, but you can't argue with the success that the Cubs have had picking up guys like Shaw. You know, so <laughs> they did a great job scouting. He's getting better and better every day. Really fun player to watch. At shortstop, kind of has that that Nico Horner type leadership characteristic that you can just tell when you watch him play. And um, and then, like, uh, because South Bend's not in it this year, you know, a week ago, you turn around and um, Kevin Alcantara is there and three other guys that are all prospects and, Moises so.
2: Ballesteros. And yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, you know, that's the thing that I think a lot about is, is that when you look at this roster up and down, now, obviously, mm-hmm. PCA has moved up and a couple other guys, but this is a group that you saw win the first half in Myrtle Beach, a bunch of them win the championship. In South Bend last year, and then they're here. So there's like a core group of guys that have kind of all gone along the same path. So when you think about the postseason, they're not going to be rattled by anything. There's nothing that you know. They faced elimination in South Bend, all that kind of stuff. They've been here before, so they know what it takes to win, and that's what I was getting me excited about watching Tennessee in the postseason.
0: Yeah, I I believe and having spent half of my life in, you know, minor league baseball, I believe winning is developing. And I know there's a, there's a debate, you know, some people think that it's not. And, 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 you know, and some people like me know, I don't think I know that it is because there's a winning mindset that you develop just as a, as a player. That's not about stats. It's not about analytics, you know, you moving, you're moving a, a runner over in a spot, just get you know getting them in position to score. You know, think about the 13-inning game that the Cubs played on Saturday against the Diamondbacks, and you know, how many times they could have won, and then you know how things ended up going, right? And if you're in the minor leagues and you're playing a game like that and you're saying, you know what, we're going to worry about get, who's going to get hurt instead of worrying about winning the game, then you're not going to have the experience of winning a battle like that. When, and, and look, that game, it's just one game. But it felt like 10 games. <laughs> you know? I mean, think about it. it th- mentally – it feels like 10 games. You you win, the Cubs in 2016 won all the games, right? They won those type of games. They won the blowout games. They won the close games. You know, and and they won the World Series. And then when you got into the World Series, having won all of those type of games helped them win the whole thing, right?
2: Right. When you're down three games to one and then they still didn't quit.
0: They didn't quit. No. I, I was at game five and I'm going, you know, uh, Oh, crap, man! What are we gonna do? I was there with Ben Ingram, the the Braves broadcaster, and Wayne Randazzo, who's the I Angels Wayne, broadcaster. Yeah. Pretty cool group of guys to hang with, and um, and 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 it's like just the vibe at Wrigley. I I did not think that the Cubs were out of it. I just didn't. We went to breakfast before the game, and we're talking, and you know, and I'm like, no. I just knew it. I knew it because they, because they had figured out a way to win a lot of those games. I think that the minor leagues are the same thing. You got to teach people, you got to teach players to expect to win. You want to have that high standard of winning. And when we talk to a lot of the players who won with South Bend in 2019, um, and then some of the guys that won last year, they say it's like their best moment in, in, in baseball that, that winning that championship. So Cubs, if you're listening, let's get it in Tennessee, right? <laughs> we haven't won one in forever. So let's make sure that we continue that winning and uh, and get a Smokies ring for the first time since 1978. Uh, that would be phenomenal. So, you, you know, you, you you were talking a little bit there. Obviously,
2: everyone's excited to see Cade Horton. And then you talked about Powell starting game two and Cole Franklin, good friend of ours, and been on the pod on in game three. Um, what hitters should our listeners be kind of paying attention to in this postseason? Who are the guys that really kind of, as far as you know, maybe leadoff guys or guys with some pop that that you should be kind of watching?
0: Well, I mean, it's I think that everything starts at this point with Owen Casey. He's you know he is a a, a player who has been with the Smokies all year long. He's going to be you know batting second or third in your lineup, and you're expecting him. To uh, you know, to to do some damage, I'd say it all starts really with him. But B.J. Murray, you know the guys that have been there, uh, and then Alcantara. I mean, that he's a power hitter and 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 drove in a lot of runs. So I would think that those guys. But the thing about the playoffs is, it always seems like it's someone unlikely that ends up being the one that made a difference in a series that was the difference between you winning and, and, and you losing. Right.
2: I think if, if you're going to sit there and go that route, then my money's on Pablo Aliendo because he seems to be a guy that love just he, yeah, he's he, everyone loves him. And then he's the type of guy that like you were talking about Doug Descenzo earlier. I don't know if we were talking about it beforehand, but just one of those guys that just somehow is in the right place at the right time. And, and that he's a guy that I really love. And I'd love to see him be a difference maker for uh, Tennessee.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I don't know who it's going to be, but I just, you know, I, I mean, look, I, how many years did we say just one before we die? Right? right. And I think it's like the Smokies are kind of the same thing. We got the best owner in minor league sports. Um, his name's Randy Boyd, and he is the biggest Smokies fan. I mean, just the biggest. And we would we would just love the experience of him getting to have a championship ring. You know, like our championship ring. And I'm not taking anything away from the Cubs championship ring we got. That's That was awesome. And, I mean, it's like a once-in-a-lifetime thing. But, you know, having a Smokies championship ring for us would be really special. So I'm hoping that it happens.
2: Oh, yeah. And then, uh, you know, they always do the ring ceremony out in spring training. So <laughs> that, that that would uh, – I hope I if it does happen, I'd love to be able to catch it. Now, three guys that you, you know, you talked about one, you talked about PCA, but two other guys that have started um, in Tennessee and now are in the majors, Miguel Amaya and Luke Little. What did you, did you see anything when you saw these guys at the beginning of the season and you said to yourself, hey, these guys really have a chance to maybe make it to the bigs this season?
0: Amaya would have been there a long time ago. What was it? Two years ago. And every single Cubs catcher kept getting hurt. And and it ended up being like Tyler Payne got up there for a game, you know, like which would have been the most unlikely of guys, you know, and, um, and, and some other guys too. And Luke little, he's, he's... (laughs) well, I think that Amaya would have been there. Right. If had it not been for that, but he came back from surgery and, and right off the bat, he was hitting, and um, defensively, he, he's good. I've, I've noticed that he's gotten a lot better in the big leagues. Uh, but I was surprised that he went up to the major leagues as fast as he did. But they really like him. I mean, look, he's, he's up there. And, and, you know, they you know, got rid of uh, Tucker Barnhart. So they, they feel comfortable with what he's doing. And he's getting better. And I think working with Jan Gomes helps him a lot. So, um, uh, you know, his game was good. Luke Little's a really interesting guy. It's this big lefty that sometimes just has no clue where the ball is going. And then other days he is impossible to hit because it looks like he has no clue where it's going, but he does. So you're never comfortable in the box. You know, it's like and we saw the there was one of the games against Colorado I think it was, right? Where he just was like all over the place and bouncing things and there's a lot of moving parts with him. He's just got to work on just repeating his delivery and and being more consistent with his command but he is nasty i mean i'm talking about like it always looks like it's going to hit you and then comes in and He's, uh throws hard and he's a big intimidating guy at six foot, you know, eight. He looks like the type of guy that would just like pick your car up if you were in his way, you know. So <laughs> uh, I, I was, you know, I did a video on him. Some of these guys, when they get caught up to the big leagues, I'll just jump on and just do a quick show and be like, hey, here's, here's what I think about this guy. Um, and Luke Little was one of those. And uh, uh, I, I'm excited about what his future looks like. But the reason he's there is because the Cubs really don't have left-handed options, you no. know, and they're just, they're just begging for some of my left-handed, um, you know, like if Brandon Hughes could get back, that would help them out a ton.
2: Now the question, I, so you guys are going to start, like I said, the postseason is starting for you guys. And the thing I like about Tennessee is you guys always have great promotions And so I know with the playoffs that it's where you want to get the crowd really into it. You know what I mean? Get those vibes going. What does Tennessee have up their sleeve for the playoffs?
0: You know, we do the rally towels, you know, which is fun. You get out there and you get a rally towel. And um, I don't know for the first game that it's like a, you know, like a big giveaway other than the towels, but we have fans who like, who really support the team. And when we're in these type of games, it's really crazy how many people show up and are, I mean, like, you know, like Wrigley South, you know what I mean? And people are just out there and they're fired up um, and they make a lot of noise and they stay on the umpires the entire game. It's been such a privilege to be their play by play guy. Um, and it's not the major leagues, but if you, you, you know, and this is what they, I've tried to leave a few times and, you know, for different stuff and, and, and the owner's like hey you know great guys like because if you're not if you're not going to be in the majors you might as well be here and he's right man i mean like it's and it starts with the fans you know like they are the best fans like they love the team and they know baseball being a cubs fan forever like we've been we're the same way i mean sit there and talk about all these different teams and what guys mean and you know you'll go down there and talk to them and and you know they remember you know Players that were, you know, 1978, for example. Last time the Smokies won, Tony La Russa was the manager. Oh. Harold Baines was on the team. You know, and a bunch of guys that played for the Sox in 83, um, and, and including most of their pitching rotation, came through Tennessee. And people will remember that. They'll talk about that, you know. So, the great fans. They'll be fired up. And I, I'm expecting that Tuesday night will be um, a pretty ruckus Smoky Stadium.
2: Well, it's going to be especially ruckus because Tennessee is bringing back one of their best promotions that I, I, one of these days, it's my dream to go and attend to the game. Oh
0: yeah. Free beer (laughs) night. It's a free beer night.
2: Free beer night. Okay. So for those of you listening that have not heard of this, (laughs) all you got to do is purchase a Smokies 2023 Mason jar and the beer is free until the opposing team scores yeah it's, it's one of the funniest promotions talk to us about that real quick because i love this thing
0: yeah look and i it was like free beer night for me while watching college football uh saturday so <laughs> <laughs> I'm dealing with that right now the next day after free beer night you know drink a lot of fluids right um but no i mean it's 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 a great promotion it is so much fun because you like you said you you get the the Smokies Mason jar and then you just go fill it up uh until the other team scores and some like this year Walker Powell pitched and the and he gave up a run in like the 5th and it's the loudest boo when a run scores <laughs> <laughs> we had a year where the the team scored we were playing I think Montgomery and they scored like the first batter single right through the middle stole second on the second pitch and then a base hit and we're down one zip and the place went nuts they were so mad. And then the guy comes over to the PA and he's like, free beer night. We'll go until the third inning. And everybody was happy after that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I absolutely, But but to do it during the postseason, like you want to talk about even yeah. amplifying an already jacked up atmosphere. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm absolutely loving it. So, Mick, if people wanted to listen or watch these postseason games, where should our listeners go?
0: Look, it's, it's gotten a lot easier. Um, if you have the MLB app, or the you know the, the MLB where you watch the Cubs app and I guess you guys probably in, in Chicago you pro, people probably don't do it as much because of blackouts right but mm-hmm. if you're not in that area that's where I watch the Cubs every day we're on there too so you go down and it's like double A and and that's where we are and um, the, unfortunately right now only the home games are are broadcast which is one of the really one of the best in baseball uh, we just have a great team. And um, when we're on the road, you'd have to go to like the uh m i l. b. app and you can listen to us on there and then you know what I would suggest is that you listen to us and turn the sound down when we're on the road <laughs> especially through these games, you know that let me tell you about broadcasting these. Crawley it's when you're in the minor leagues it's it's a totally different broadcast than when you're in the majors and you know I did spring training for a long time and 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 that was a great time and we we would really focus on the game and we'd talk a lot about the players and kind of introduce Cubs fans to the up-and-coming stars and 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 you know lay out what the you know the situation was in spring training every day and I miss doing those uh those webcasts they were were fantastic and um, and then you go and you do the minor leagues and it, and people care about the team and they care about the games, but it's more entertainment. So right. you're on there every night and you're you're talking about things that aren't necessarily uh, baseball related, or maybe it's you know what you know what great giveaway somebody has and um, what what sandwich someone made. And, and I always any kind of story with animals I'll talk about, you know. and, and so people they listen every night and. We're, we're, we're laughing and we're having a good time and we're telling the, about the players and their families and the backgrounds there. And then, you know, if a crazy story happened, we're getting into that and we're laughing about it. Because for us to maintain our audience, that not the hardcore baseball fan, but just the person that's the casual listener being on like a just this really... We're on, I guess, what the score's equivalent would be mm-hmm. in, in, in Tennessee, the sports animal. They're not going to listen if it's just straight up minor league baseball because they don't really know the players. Right. Right. Um, So, so the whole season's like that, you know, you're, you're kind of balancing like what's going on with the team with entertaining. Well, that all ends when you get into the playoffs. And that's what makes these broadcasts so much more fun is it is straight baseball. Like it would be if you were in the major leagues, the, the playoffs and last year, the, the Smokies had two of the most, incredible wins in the first round they beat the probably the best team in the league in the first round last year and they played two of the most amazing games and game two i i didn't do game three i had a, uh, another con another i had a conflict and i had to go take care of that other broadcasting job but um game two jonathan perlaza made this incredible catch uh chase strumpf hit you know like a home run that put us ahead it was like just as a broadcaster just like one of those pinch me type games. Yeah the catch that Perlaza made to, to end the game if he would have been playing right field for the Rangers they would have beat the Cardinals in that World Series. Wow. You know what I'm talking about? I mean it was yeah. it this was the most epic catch ever. You know, and to be on the call for that and just to be like fired up and you know, doing the the Jack Brickhouse, Harry Carey, you know, broadcast that we do anyway. Right. But just being able to kind of put it out there in those moments uh, was a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm hoping that they're able to duplicate that.
2: Absolutely. And again, for our listeners, you can go and watch it on M I L B TV as well. And if you go to the website, the Tennessee Smokey website and you click on the team tab right there, it'll take you to the Smokey's radio network and it'll let you listen live. So just, Really get to know this team because there's a lot of special players on here that are going to be making their way to Chicago. Mick, thank you so much for jumping on here. Um, I know you have a new podcast. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your podcast and where they can find it?
0: Yeah, and you're going to be on there. So they need to come <laughs> check out where we switch roles on uh, the, 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 the channel. But it's a YouTube channel. It's uh, Cubs Baseball channel on YouTube. And uh, basically, you know, we talk about the Cubs. We talk about the, you know, any of the upcoming stars. We do some interviews, you know, um, had guys like you on there, David Kaplan, Lawrence Holmes. like You know, my friends, Patrick Mooney. Like, it's just been so fun to develop these relationships over the years. And then we get on there. And what people don't see is, you know, we're talking minor league baseball here. You and I, we just, we were chewing the fat, like, for like a half hour before this even started and I'm like, hey, let's just do a show on my podcast. and just do this. So it's, it's uh, Cubs Baseball Channel. And uh, Crawley, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of you. I told you that. That's, I, I don't always, you know, I've got a lot going on right now. But I, anytime you need me, man, I'm always coming on. And I, and I cannot wait to come drink some of your keg, kegerator beer in your <laughs> studio. Well, not, I keep calling a studio in your man cave.
2: Hey, you have a hundred percent invitation anytime, <laughs> Mick. You let me know and we'll I'll definitely make sure we we tear it up at Wrigley Field, my friend.
0: Yep. Yeah, we can we sit in the bleachers together?
2: Anytime you want.
0: Is that cool? How, are you there a lot?
2: I'm wherever any I'm where the action is. Okay. I don't know. So wherever you want to sit, you tell me. We'll we'll get a seat there and we'll have some fun.
0: We're gonna do um, a uh, a show like a watch party type thing from Wrigleyville. And um, I want you to come and hang out with me when I do that. And then, uh, and I don't know when, I mean, you know, like I said, I got like 15 different fires in the iron right now, but that's something that's, that's in the works. And I mean, I just want to drink beer and talk Cubs and kind of have like a rotation of people that come through and hang with us. So you're invited.
2: Absolutely. Thank you, my friend. And we'll show you a good time. Thank you so much, Mick Gillespie. And we'll talk to you soon.
0: Go Cubs.
1: This is the Fly the W670 podcast. It is season two. It's episode 71 The Cubs Disaster in the Desert. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. In this segment, Crawley interviews Mick Gillespie, play by play man of the Smokies, to talk about Tennessee's playoff run, which begins Tuesday night. This is season two, episode 71 of the Fly the W670 podcast. Cubs disaster in the desert. Boy, what a rough weekend that was. Crawley, great job with uh, Mick Gillespie. Great guy. Love hearing him call Cubs games in the uh, spring training games. Let's talk a little uh, news and notes. And we've got a note uh, from one of your favorite clubs, the uh, Myrtle Beach Pelicans.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, um, the, the Pelicans season ended on Friday night. They lost game one of the division series two to one in Charleston before heading to Pelican Park on Thursday. The Birds took game two of the series three, nothing behind some solid pitching by Drew Gray, Kevin Valdez, and Jose Romero. Pedro Ramirez Homered, Andy Gariola, who was on the show, and Brian Calmer hit RBI doubles to force a game three, but the Pelicans were blown out yes. eighteen eighteen to four. Um I do want to thank the Pelicans for an amazing season uh, and their kindness and hospitality and hosting me for a few games. I had an absolute blast down in Myrtle Beach, and I encourage all Cub fans, if you have a chance, head on out there and, and make a little vacation out it like I did. It was a lot of fun.
1: Very nice. All right. Let's stick with the uh, minor leagues, talk a little bit more about uh, Mick Gillespie's group down in Tennessee, the Smokies.
2: Yep. And and so for the second season in a row, the Smokies um, are in the postseason. They will be taking on the Chattanooga Lookouts on Tuesday night at 6 p.m., Game One will take place at Smoky Stadium. And Dustin, they have my favorite, favorite, favorite um, promotion: Fear Free Beer Night.
1: Free and beer? So, explain that to me.
2: Oh yeah, if you listen to segments, it, it is it is as simple as that: Free beer night. Free beer night. So you just you have to buy a mason jar, and you get to keep refilling it until Chattanooga scores, and then the free beer is over. Ah, so so
1: there's the catch.
2: There's the catch. So that'll be game one. Game two, and if necessary, game three will take place in uh, Chattanooga Thursday and Friday. Top Cubs pitching prospect, Cade Horton, will take the ball in game one. Walker Powell, who's had a good season um, with Tennessee, will take the mound on game two. And then friend of the podcast, Cole Franklin, will be given the ball in game three if necessary. So good luck to the Smokies.
1: Very nice. Very nice. All right, how about some roster moves? Obviously, we talked about earlier in the segment, we talked about uh, Marcus Stroman activated and used in back-to-back games.
2: Yeah, that was very surprising. You know, he was one of the best pitchers on the team before getting uh, pulled in the London game with a blister, and then he's just struggled ever since. Uh, He was put on the IL on August 2nd with right hip inflammation. The Cubs were expecting Strow to come off the IL in mid-August, but after a bullpen session, he experienced discomfort on the right side uh, and was diagnosed with ripe rib cartilage fracture. He was rehabbing in Arizona, but, you know, this was definitely a surprise. Daniel Palencia was optioned to Iowa in the corresponding move, but Palencia never made it on the bus to Iowa as Michael Fulmer was put on the IL. What the
1: heck happened there? Yep. That one one surprised me more than Marcus Stroman.
2: Yeah, you know, Fulmer went on the IL with that strain on August 26th. He was activated on September 11th. He pitched point two innings that day against Colorado and then back on the IL, uh, 15-day IL on Saturday. Palencia back to the Cubs in the corresponding move, so we didn't have to go far. Jaime um, Candelario and Albert Alzalei are doing light drills um, during this weekend at Chase Field, so uh, we'll see what happens there. All right, let's
1: get into it. Cubs, Pirates, let's preview this one. They're at Wrigley for three beginning on Tuesday night. Javier Assad throwing.
2: Yeah. You know, we're, we're taking a look here and you can um, you know, it's, it's when you look at the standings and you're playing against Pittsburgh, this is where we are right now in the central Milwaukee. in first they are just seven and three out of, you know, in their last 10, they are now six and a half games above the Cubs. I mean, that is literally a, a pipe dream at this point. Cubs on a five game losing streak, two and eight in their last 10 Cincy is just you know they're five and five they're having a lot of injuries in their front uh in their starting rotation so they're seven games back only half a game behind the cubs and then pittsburgh and st louis we've talked about are eliminated they're almost eliminated from the wild card let's talk about the wild card dustin because that's where the craziness is happening Mm -hmm. if you're looking here philadelphia up 3.5 they're four and six so they're struggling but arizona six and four but Sweeping the Cubs that gives them a three game streak. The they are now the second place team in the wild card, 0.5 over the Cubs and Miami. Technically, though, Miami would be in and the Cubs would be out based on tiebreakers. And then Cincinnati's only half a game behind, uh, with San Francisco two out. So if you take a look at your playoff bracket, if the postseason started today, Dustin, it would be Philly taking on Arizona, taking on Philly in Philadelphia, and it would be. The Marlins taking on Milwaukee in Milwaukee. And this just kind of, you know, for those of you watching on the Score YouTube channel, this is a, a graphic they had up on ESPN um, with, with from Fangraphs. On opening day, the Cubs had 11% chance to make the playoff odds. July 20th, 6%. They got close to 90% almost a week and a half ago and and now it's a coin flip 50 50 and the problem Dustin, that you have here are these tiebreaker situations yeah you the own C- you none of them
1: basically. you
2: owe, yeah basically none of them you, you the Phillies went five and one against the Cubs Diamondbacks went six and one against the Cubs Marlins went four and two against the Cubs the Reds seven and six against the Cubs They all own a tiebreaker. There's no game 163. The only team the Cubs hold the tiebreaker against is the Giants, who they took uh, five out of six games from. So now we're stuck scoreboard watching. And if you look at the Diamondbacks, they have two against San Fran, three at the Yankees, three at the White Sox, and then finish at home versus Houston. So should we go to
1: 35th and Shields and and boo the Diamondbacks? Ah, oh,
2: God! Right, and the Marlins have three against the Mets at home, three yeah, against Milwaukee at home. Yeah, we gotta become big Met fans
1: too. Yeah, we gotta become big Mets fans as well.
2: <laughs> three at the Mets and three mm-hmm. at Pittsburgh, and then the Reds have three versus Minnesota, three versus Pittsburgh, two versus Cleveland, and three at St. Louis. I think they got the easiest schedule on the way out. But like I said, I just they're 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 really beat up right now, and then. Uh, the Giants have two at Arizona, four at the Dodgers, three at San Diego, and then three more at the Dodgers. So this is just absolute chaos. I mean, it's interesting. It's exciting. But
1: it's going to be an excruciating two weeks. How about this? So just doubling down on on the, the playoff odds for a second. So on 9-11, the Cubs were minus 620 to make the playoffs over at Circus Sports. Today, 9-18, the Cubs are plus 115 to make the playoffs. That is a $700 swing. That's That's crazy. Absolutely crazy.
2: And we know the Pirates, they can just play nice and relaxed because they have nothing to lose.
1: Nothing to lose. Nothing to lose.
2: (laughs) That's the tough part about this type of year is these guys all can just play the spoilers. The Cubs didn't play the Pirates until June, which to me still is mind-blowing. I think they need to fix that. We'll talk about that when the season ends. But uh, they played them twice in the span of a week. The Cubs swept the Buckos and then at home, and then swept them at PNC a week later. After the All-Star break, the Cubs had a four-game series. That's the last time the Cubs saw them. That was in Pittsburgh in August, and the Cubs took three of four. So the Cubs have only lost one game to the Pirates all season. So, you know, that's a good thing. Uh, Justin Steele went in game one. He went six innings, gave up two runs. The Pirates used an opener, but Andre Jackson gave up only two runs in six innings, and the Cubs won this one five to four. Ian Happ had a big two-run RBI single in the 10th inning. That was the difference. Cubs lost the second game of the series two to one. Hendricks pitched well, but the offense could do nothing against Mitch Kellner, who went eight innings and gave up no runs and only four hits. Ian Happ hit a solo home run to prevent the shutoff in the ninth off-closer David Bednar. And then game three was a wild one as Jordan Wicks made his debut. He pitched five innings of one-run ball, but Hayden Wisnitsky got crushed, giving up five runs in 1.2 innings. The Cubs offense put up 10 runs with Hap driving in three, Bellinger two, and Suzuki driving in three. They won this one 10 to 6. They scored 10 runs the next day. Wouldn't that be nice, Dustin? 10 runs. I would, love to, see ta-
1: I would love to see that. <laughs> they, you know, right? They had they they had they owned this huge run differential at one point, right? What was the other thing? They had 22 or 23 games of yeah. double digit scoring. Just a little sprinkling of that over the next week. Please. Please, please, please. please.
2: They did that against Bailey Falter, so keep that in mind. They beat the Buckos 10 and and Jaime Candelario and Cody Bellinger combined for eight games in that fourth one. So, you know they've been very successful, uh, uh, you know, against the Pirates so far this season, and hopefully that
1: continues this week at Wrigley. All right, let's get it started. Game one Tuesday night, Javier Assad.
2: Yes, uh, and and I hope everyone comes out Tuesday night. I'm going to be there. It's a Latino Heritage Night. They got a cool skull bobblehead that they're going to be special event cool. ticket. And then our guy Miguel Esparza is going to be doing the seventh inning stretch. Nice. So it'll 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 be a good time. And then hopefully Javier Assad uh, will kind of have um, a, a better outing. He struggled against Colorado on nine twelve. So he's had a little rest because of these off days. Last time he went three point one innings, gave up five hits, four earned runs, four walks though, Dustin, and that wasn't normal. Four strikeouts. So that's why he didn't go long, along with you know just giving up a lot of runs. Against Arizona on uh, 9-7, he went uh, 5.1 innings, gave up seven hits, three runs. He took the loss on that one. And then against Cincinnati, he went he got no decision, eight innings, gave up seven hits and zero runs. So just kind of a real victim of some bad luck on that one. And uh, they're going to be going up against Bailey Falter, who I talked about earlier, gave up 10 runs to the Cubs. He's 2-8, Dustin, 440 ERA. Um, but he's been pitching well as of late. Um, he went six innings against Washington. I know they're not the best team, but he only gave up one earned run on four hits, um, in that game. And then when you, when you take a look at the other games that he's kind of done, um, he, he did not start. So he was taken out of the starters role lately. So he pitched the six against Milwaukee. He went 3.2 innings and gave up no runs. And in another game, he didn't start against St. Louis. He went 3.2 innings and only gave up one run. So they were kind of using him um, in the opener role uh, for much of September.
1: All right. So Cubs seem to on paper anyway, seems like a game that would lean towards the Cubs, if you will. So how about uh, game number two? That's also going to be, these are all night games, right, Crowley?
2: All night games. So uh, hopefully they don't make the baseball gods angry because they like games.
1: Oh, so j going game two.
2: Seven and 10 uh, right now in his last start, he took the loss. He didn't pitch bad. He went five innings, gave up seven hits, three earned runs against Colorado. Against Arizona, he got a no decision, pitched well. again. went six innings pitch, gave up one hit, no earned runs. And then against Cincinnati, he got a no decision, 5.2 innings, gave up seven hits, five earned runs, though. That was uh, a rough one there. But uh, he, he faces a tall task because he's going to be facing – uh, the ace of this staff in uh, Mitch Keller. And when we talked about the last time that Mitch faced the Cubs, he went eight innings of shutout baseball and only gave up four hits. The guy's 12 and nine on a bad Buckos team. Um, against Washington, though, he did the same thing. He went eight innings pitched and gave up zero earned runs against Atlanta. He got bombed by that team. Five innings pitched, gave up 12 hits, eight earned runs. But against St. Louis, he went six innings pitch and gave up one earned run. So, you know, look, against Atlanta, and I know they've been struggling as of late, but, I mean, you, that's a tough team to play against. But if you look at all the starts since and before then, one earned run, give zero and run, two earned run, two earned runs, he does not give up a lot of earned runs. So, like I said, j going to have to be up to the task, and there's no excuse for the offense because you're – out of excuses at this point.
1: Yeah, no more excuses. Zero excuses. It is put up or shut up time. David Ross has been taking a ton of crap. And while there are questions, we've mentioned them in the Arizona series, at some point, at some point, the players have to pit. The players have to take responsibility. And the time for that, Crowley, is right now.
2: Well, hopefully game three will go their way. Justin Steele, 16-4. and We talked about that bad outing. It was really two bad pitches that ended up costing him that went for two, three home three run home runs. He gave up seven, six runs on seven hits. Um, just a, just a tough hit on that one. And then against Arizona before that, he had a really good start. He went seven innings, give one earned run, but got the no decision. And then against San Francisco, he got the win, going eight innings, giving up only two hits, Dustin and zero earned run with 12 strikeouts, probably his best start of the season. So that was, you know, that's what we you know, Justin wants to do that every time out, but clearly, you know, you know, nobody wants to get bombed when you're in the middle of the pennant race, and that's what happened to him last time out. They're going to be facing Johan Oviedo. The Cubs have seen him before. Uh, he's eight and fourteen with a 4.27 ERA um, in his last game against the Yankees. He had a good start, five innings, four hits. Um, he only gave up one earned run, but but with the Pirates and their pitching staff, they've kind of just it's, it's been kind of a goofy, goofy situation against pits against uh, Atlanta. He only went 3.2 innings, gave up three earned runs. They pulled him quick from that one. He started against St. Louis on 93 nine, three, went 3.2 innings gave up uh, five, uh, five runs on four hits. So he's, he's a guy that you could easily, you know, this again, on paper looks like a guy you should beat. He's faced the Cubs twice Um, The first time he went four innings, gave up four earned runs. The second time he went six innings and gave up two earned runs. So he had one good start against the Cubs, one bad start against the Cubs this season.
1: All right, hot and not time. And when these uh, guys that are on the not list are on the not list, it's no wonder the Cubs have been as bad as they've been lately.
2: Yep, Nico Horner's been looking really good as of late. When you look at Nico, he's 10 for his last 22. No home runs, two RBIs. He's slashing 455, 520, 455. Ian Happ has finally made the hot list uh, after a long absence, eight for his last 20 with a home run and an RBI. He's slashing 400, 478, 650. Again, I like him in that leadoff role. But when you get to the knots, Dustin, and this is where you're kind of saying, hey, we, we, we got a big problem here. Dansby Swanson is four for his last 22. He's slashing 182, 217, 364. And then Cody Bellinger in his last seven games, Three for his last 19 with two RBIs, but he's slashing 158, 261, 158. I mean, this is, again, Dustin, I'm I'm not trying to, to harp on the whole David Ross thing, but part of being a manager is knowing when to give guys rest. And uh, when when Joe Madden was with the team, he used to do what he called American Legion Ball, yeah. where he would tell everybody, hey, I don't care what's going on. Nobody's allowed into the clubhouse until 11 o'clock on a one twenty start, or you're not coming in until 5 o'clock on a 7 o'clock start. Just rest, relax. And yeah, sometimes you got to take guys out and give them rest, you know. And, well, unfortunately,
1: and- though, that, this is not the time for that. This is not the time for that. There's no more there. Now the rest of the days off. The time has passed. That time has come and gone. It didn't happen. There no days off. This is definitely time for the old, uh, you know, dance with the one who brought you here. That's what time it is. Okay. That is what time it is right now. There's no doubt about that in my mind.
2: Um, you know, again, like I said, I was more disappointed that PCA did not get at least one start out in Arizona in that outfield. Wrigley's a smaller outfield. So, I mean, would it be nice to see PCA? Yes. I'm going tomorrow and I want to see his debut at Wrigley or at least his first at well, bat. Well, let's hope
1: they're up, let's hope they're up five in the eighth inning, and then he goes in and plays defense in the eighth and the ninth. I, that? But,
2: but that, that'll work.
1: <laughs> that'll work just fine, right? All right. right, Crowley, who are the names that Cubs fans need to be worried about as far as the Pirates go?
2: Well, there are two very familiar names, uh, Key Brian Hayes and Brian Reynolds. Everyone knows those names right there. Uh, Key Brian Hayes, eight for his last 20 with four RBI, slashing 400, 409, 500. And Brian Reynolds is their real big power threat. He's six for his last 18 with two home runs, six RBIs. He's slashing 333, 455, 667. Two guys that are struggling, uh, Jin Huan Bae. Who always seems to kind of give good at bats, but he's struggling lately. Three for his last 19. He's slashing 158, 273, and 211. And then Connor Joe, who they got from Colorado, he's one for his last 15. He's slashing 0.067, 0.125, 0.067. So um, one other person to keep in mind. I know Dustin, you always kind of look at this. Jack Swinski. Yeah, I was gonna boy. ask you about
1: it. So he leads the Pirates with 25 home runs right now. Absolutely. He's and six for his last he's 21.
2: And that's the thing. He loves to hit at Wrigley. They always have a large contingency coming out to cheer him. So even though he's kind of like in the middle of the pack, he's not hot, he's not cold, he's a guy to be very careful of at Wrigley Field.
1: Prediction time, Crowley. Here we go. What's happening the next three nights over at Wrigley? Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Thank God Monday's an off night.
2: Uh, I'm going to go, uh, you, I, this is a very unenthusiastic Cubs take two out of three. I, I think they're going to take game one and I think they're going to take game three. I don't think Tyone beats Mitch Keller, but we'll see what happens.
1: Let's go sweep, sweep the buckos, have them walk the plank right out of Wrigley field Cubs in a sweep. We're getting this done Crowley. All right. I'm
2: hoping that you're, you're carrying this team over the line here, Dustin. Crying, I'll be out pushing there it.
1: over the line, pushing it, <laughs> pushing it, pushing it, pushing it for my couch in the Western burbs. All right, Crowley, that's a wrap. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow the socials, Fly the W on Facebook. Also do it on Instagram. You can email us, flythew670gmail.com. And you can watch us, that's right, YouTube TV, by subscribing to the 670 The Score YouTube channel.
2: You know, Dustin, it, it, this is this is this is a time where we all got to kind of band together and just hope and pray that the Cubs do it, that they that we get to see some postseason baseball, and 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 just get out to Wrigley. They're gonna need some home field cooking. Let's all just chant, "Go Cubs!" It's all over.